0: Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to Tuolumne Community Baptist Church podcast. So excited to be here and I'm just thankful that you're tuning in to listen. This is just to set up today's message. We're going to get started here in a little while, but we're in a sermon series called Game Changers. There are many events in everyone's life that can be called a game changer. Many are the most wonderful of events that we can celebrate like marriage, having beautiful babies, How about the realization that heaven is real and Jesus Christ is the door? These are truly game-changing events. But sometimes there are things that aren't so good, bad things, loss of a loved one, loss of a child, even worse. There's so many things that could be so devastating in our lives today, and they become game-changers also. So I want you to listen to this sermon today. We're going to be in 2 Kings throughout most of the morning 2 Kings chapter 5, and we're going to be talking about a man that is um, someone that is very special to me because I can relate to him so much. So anyway, here in just a few minutes we'll get started. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless you. I hope you enjoy the message. Well, this morning we're going to continue on with our sermon series that honestly I'm, I'm quite excited about. Um, this particular series isn't one that, you know, I purchased from a larger church and we're going through a preset. This one is, you know, God's been giving it to me. And that's what excites me, and I I praise God that I've had time to to work this out. And I hope that it's ready enough for you. But a game-changer A game changer can be the events in someone's life that we consider or call them game changers. Many are are the most wonderful events that we celebrate, our marriage, having beautiful babies. How about the realization that heaven is real, a real place, and Jesus Christ is the door, realizing He truly is of God, He truly is the friend and the Father, your personal savior, your healer, realizing the Spirit of God is now living inside of you because you simply choose to believe. It's not because you did anything right, but because he did everything right. Now, that's a game changer. But what about something bad in your, in your life? Something really bad? So pastor, you're telling me that it's not going to be easy. That's right. It's not going to be easy. This Christian walk isn't about everything being easy. John 15, 18 through 25 says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world but I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you too. We have to realize this this is a tough life. This is hard, but we have the confidence of heaven that it's real and a Savior that's never going to leave us. James 1 and 2 Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials and many kinds, of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So here's the title of my message today. It's the next slide. So, why'd I go off? Come on, you know what, I'm, what I mean. Why do I get so upset over nothing? Could it be because I'm a human being and, and technology drives me crazy? I was about to go off this very morning back there in the back pew trying to get PowerPoint set up. But sometimes we go off over the simplest of things. I can hear you thinking, what on earth is pastor going to talk about today? Well, let me tell you this. It's a long story. Have you ever got upset over something that is so insignificant and so badly that you just went off? I have. I'm willing to tell you that I have. And I probably will again. (laughs) I will. Thank God. That's why I need a Savior. That's why we need a Savior. Today, we're going to be looking at an Old Testament character, one that I love. I love a lot. I I love a lot of Old Testament characters, but this one, this one, I feel like I know this guy almost personally, like whenever I've looked in a mirror. I know this guy. I'm not saying that I'm as strong and brave or even handsome as this guy probably was. But I remember when I was living as a sinner. I believed I was a good man. Now, I told you that each week, the few weeks that we're in this sermon series, that I would share with you some of my past and some of my testimony. If I do today, it'll be because the Holy Spirit gives me the okay to do so. But the one that matches this guy, it'd be a testimony, and it's not glorifying my sin or who I was or what I was doing, anything like that, but my testimony was I was a sinner and I was living the lifestyle of a sinner. And yet God never left me. He never forsook me. I knew God. I was saved as a young child. Holy Ghost filled, raised up in a Pentecostal church. That's what's wrong with him. Huh? Ah, yeah. I knew God. But I went off one day. Got mad. Got upset at the church. It was only an excuse. It was an excuse for me to go my own way. It was an excuse for me to, to move my family out of there. But now this guy. Let's get back to this guy. I was a man, I'm still on me, aren't I? I was a man with excellent work ethic. I believed that I was a good husband, a father, a good father, the best I knew how to be. I was what I thought to be an honest man. A man not easily swayed or convinced that I needed a Savior. This is much like the man that we're going to be talking about today. And he's in 2 Kings, His name is Naaman. Naaman. In 2 Kings, we'll look at this story. Here's a new flash, the news flash about this message. This man, Naaman, a great military man, had leprosy, and God heals him. Okay, that's the news flash. God heals him. But I'm telling you, that's just the headline. It's not the story. It's how he gets to this healing that is the real story. Which really lines up with my story of how I got to this place where I had to say, all right, God, you've shown me. You've shown me that you are God. That's what happened to Naaman. So let's start with this story of Naaman. Let's go to 2 Kings 5.1 says, Now Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master, highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. There was a butt in his life. Remember, we all have pretty much the same here. Everybody here I can see has one head, two ears, a couple arms, two legs. We all have a butt in our life. I said that just to wake you up because I'm not talking about the human anatomy, I'm talking about the butt in our lives. He was a good man, but George, you're a great guy. You, you, you love your people, but you don't really take care of yourself like you should. She's a great woman. She takes care of everything, but she drinks too much at night. There's so many buts in our lives, you know, that that we keep them hidden. This is what we do when we come to church. It's uh, C-Y-B, cover your butt. Because we don't want anybody to see these problems. Am I right? Am I lying to you? You, do, you don't want to come here and, and let us see the butts in your life because you keep them covered up. You keep them covered up. You don't want anybody to realize that you have a problem. And this is where Naaman was at. He'd, do you realize in this time and culture what leprosy meant? Not only it was going to take his life eventually, but it was going to wipe out his life here on this earth. He was going to have to leave his family. He's going to have to be the great commander of some leper colony because it's highly contagious. He was going to lose his position. He was going to lose his wife, his family. He was going to lose everything because of this disease that he had contracted. This was so incredibly serious and he wasn't showing his butt to anybody. He was wearing his armor so people couldn't see that he had these spots developing. What sort of leprosy is developing in our lives? This is where I want you to relate it to. The leprosy here represents something. The leprosy to us represents sin, a sinful nature in our lives. So this is a great story. Naaman was not an Israelite. In fact, he was the enemy of Israel. Naaman was an Aramite. And he led raids against Israel and others to destroy their crops as well as taking some of their people captives as slaves. And you're going to see one here in just a minute. Because through him, not because of him, but through him, this is a very important thing to realize, to see in the Scripture. He was highly regarded. He was a great man because through him. Do you realize that God wants to do miraculous things through me for this church, but I keep getting in the way because I want it to happen because of me. The Bible didn't say because of Naaman. He was able to accomplish all these things. It didn't say that. It said through him. And the God, God had, it said right there that God had anointed him and, and was in control of his life. He was allowing him to be this incredible sergeant in the army, a leader of men. Let's go back and look at that again. It says, highly regarded because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. Because he was a valiant soldier. Through me, during my years of of running from God, I built a lot of beautiful homes. God had blessed me with the ability to do things. And it was awesome. I I still once in a while go down through Lockford, Clements, Valley Springs, and Lodi, and I look at the homes that I built, I go, I built that. Still standing, looking good. Guy needs to paint that one. You know? Through me, these things were accomplished. God given me the ability. Do you see see the correlation here? Do you see that he gave Naaman the ability to be this incredible leader of this army? Through him, this is very important. He wants to work through me, to reach his people. We all get upset and frustrated when things just aren't working like the way we think they should. He can work through me instead of things happening because of me. Naaman, he had this big butt in his life, and it's the one that could take him out. So let's look at 2 Kings chapter 2. chapter 5, verse 2. It said, Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. You guys remember that when I told you that he took people captive? Here's a little girl, 8, 10, 12 years old. I don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us. She's just a little girl, and she's working in Naaman's house and she said to her mistress which is Naaman's wife said if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria he would cure him of his leprosy he would cure him this is so amazing but because of this little girl he's exposed he's exposed she knows The only way she could see that he had leprosy is she was in the house when he took his armor off to have his clothes washed. When his wife was caring for him, she could see that he had leprosy. He's exposed. And now he has to make a decision of what he's going to do. His sin is exposed. He has to make a decision. Let's look at verse 4. Now Naaman went and told his master, the king, saying... Thus and thus the girl who is from Israel had said. So now, because this little girl knows, he's thinking to himself, I got to come clean. I got to go tell the king. I got to tell him that I have leprosy. I got to show my butt, the butt in his life that he was covering up, that he was hiding. I got to expose myself, so he goes and he shows the king, and, and, and think of this way, he is now a great man, a great man, taking advice from a little girl. Would you ever, if somebody was speaking into your life, who you thought maybe was way below you because she was a child? And his child said, you know, God's trying to change something in you. Would you listen? God will speak to us through many events, and he's now listening to this little girl. Keep in mind, this is a great and mighty man. And I'm sure you could add that he was a proud man, a pompous man a persistent man a powerful man and all the other p's that you can add to him i'm sure that he was all of that but he had to now go tell his master not only does he have to show the problem but he has to tell that he's taken advice, advice from this little girl this mighty man wow wow Sometimes we never realize the word of God that's being spoke to us. And we don't take heed to it. We don't listen to it. We don't pay attention. Uh, You know, what does that little girl know? What does she know? That it's so impacted Naaman that he has to now go to the king and expose himself. Well, we could look at the negative side. He's thinking, well, if she knows, she's going to tell the neighbor, and the neighbor's going to tell somebody, and somebody's going to tell the king, and I'm going to be cast into outer darkness with the rest of the lepers. Probably true. But he had this thing inside of him that what if God is real? What if there is a God in Israel? What if there is? It's so amazing. So let's look at verse 5 and 6. Then the king of Syria said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So depart and take with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, 10 changes of clothing. And go down there and buy your miracle. Go down there and buy your miracle. Go down and take care of this. And he wrote this letter. He said, be advised when this letter comes to you that I have sent Naaman my servant that you may heal him of leprosy. Can you imagine what the king of Israel was thinking when he got that letter? Well, the Bible just doesn't hold it back. He tells us what we're thinking what he's thinking. And I'm telling you, there's so much wrong with this, with this statement in this scripture, in this sentence. I, I almost don't know where to begin. Is that what the little girl said, to go to the king of Israel to get healed? No, it, it's kind of like, you know, did you ever play that game, I think I was in fifth grade, where the teacher stood us all up and you told a secret to this guy over here and to see what the secret come out on the other side of the room? You know, like we're having chicken for lunch and the, the, over here the chicken died of cancer. You know, a completely different message. And that's what's happened here. She didn't didn't say, go to the the king of Israel and ask permission to see if you can go see the prophet and get healed. She said, go see the prophet. That's not what the girl said at all. And here's another thing. Here's another thing. We tend to go to the one that we think can help us that's an that's a human response we tend to go to the one that we think can help us when it's God is the only one that can help us we think well maybe the King of Israel maybe he can help us well maybe if I go see Pastor George and hey come I'm just an instrument it's God who's gonna do the work it's God that's gonna make the changes it's he's the one that's gonna perform miracles on your behalf not me So in 2 Kings 5, 7, it says, and it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he, he tore his clothes and he said, am I God? Am I God to kill and to make alive? That this man sends me to heal him of leprosy? What, what are they thinking? I'm not God. I can't heal this guy. Do you know what they're doing? I can i can it, it's wrote right here he says they're setting me up they want me to heal his leprosy and i'm not going to be able to do it and they're going to come in and raid us and kill us and have a very good reason why because we couldn't do it they're going to wipe us off the face of the earth this king was really upset i mean he was a, he went off he went off the deep end and maybe it was partly because he had past experiences of this guy named naaman I mean, they had a a little girl living in his house that was captured and taken as a slave. So the king had some PTSD going on here. He said, man, I've dealt with this guy. It's been nothing but problems every time this guy is mentioned for Israel. And now he's coming to me to, to, to be healed. What could he possibly be thinking? It's to destroy us. Boy, he was going off and he was going off because of past experiences. He had past experiences that were dictating what he was. I think there's another slide after that, Joe. There you go. You would just you can skip it now. So let's go to 2 Kings 8. So it was when Elijah heard the man of God. He heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes. Which he sent to the king saying, <laughs> he sent him a message saying, why would you tear your clothes? Why are you getting all upset? Why would you go off? Why didn't you just send the guy to me? Why wouldn't you just send the guy to me? Why, why, why would you do this? King says, all right. You want him, you can have him. Elijah said, please let him come that he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. 2 Kings 9, it says, Then Naaman went with his horses and his chariot, and he stood at Elijah's door. And Elijah sent a messenger to him, saying, Go wash yourself in the Jordan seven times, and you'll be clean. Man, there is so much going on here. Do you guys remember? This guy is a great man. He's a great and mighty man. And Elisha doesn't even go to the door to meet him. He sends his servant out. Hey, go tell the guy to go take a bath in the Jordan. Why does he think I stink? What is the matter with him? What is he talking about? Now Naaman goes off. He's going off. He's, it, well, let's read the word instead of me explaining it. 2 Kings. He said, are not... Oh, so where are we at? 11... 9, 10, let's go to 11. 11 says, but Naaman went away angry. He said, I thought, do you realize that word right there? I thought. It's probably the most dangerous words in the Bible. I thought. I thought that that pastor would at least come over and talk to me, you know? I came to church, you know? I put some money in the offering, a buck or two, and he didn't even shake my hand. He acted like I had, you know, he didn't even know me. He just walked, you know what? Who's that guy think he is? Little short fat guy up there talking. Who's he think he is? He didn't even acknowledge me. We do this all the time because we think that things should be the way we want them to be. He said, I thought that he would surely come out to me stand and call on the name of the Lord, O God Almighty, His God, and wave His hand over the spot and cure me of leprosy. He had a prescription all made out. He knew exactly how it should happen. This is the way it's going to go. How often do we do that? We think, well, you know, if that preacher calls me out, if he says just the right thing, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll go. Yeah, if, every, if all, the, all the, the planets line up and everything's directed just right and everything happens the way I think it should happen, then that'll, that'll, I'll know that's my time to go get saved, to go down there for prayer, whatever. How many times do we walk away from our potential healing because it wasn't the way we thought it should be? It wasn't at all what we thought it should be. It's because he had unfulfilled expectations. Naaman's going off because of expectations. Unfulfilled expectations. I can't tell you how many times that's got me. You know, I was I was really a good Christian. I'm fire for the Lord. I was involved in the church. I was doing everything right the pastor actually wanted to to mentor me and he, he came to me and he said he would like to send me to seminary w- wouldn't that have been something to get into the mystery at, at my young age but you see I couldn't read I couldn't read everything was backwards to me I, I obviously smart enough to get through high school To get this county job back six seven years ago i had to go get my transcripts from high school do you know how long it took them to find those things and they weren't that bad i was surprised it wasn't a 4.0 but you know i managed even though i couldn't read i had figured things out I, i had figured out a way to get the homework done i figured out a way to pass the test but i couldn't read i left school nearly illiterate and that was something that i didn't want to show that but in my life but he can't read So I kept it covered. I didn't tell the pastor I couldn't read. I'm sure they would have prayed over me and they'd have handed me a Bible and said, start reading like it finally happened 30 years later. I couldn't read. And then another thing happens, you know, the the pastor's daughter gets married to this guy. Oh, you'll relate to this, Tony. He was a jazz drummer. That guy was good. I mean, he was good. Steve, this guy could do. And he had this beautiful drum set. I had a snare and a, drum, a bass and a cymbal and a hi hat. Okay, that's that's what I had as a drummer. And I had been the drummer for a number of years. I mean, I'd played every worship so Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, Wednesday afternoons. And I was the drummer. Well, all of a sudden pastor's daughter marries a jazz drummer with a fancy drum set and he got saved and they said hey we want to give him a job in the church because he got saved i get it i get it i'm out of here oh no 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 we want you george we want you to take the offering if that to this day i hate taking offerings okay i hate it when i pastor a church all those years the box was in the back because i just felt like guido walking around going come on you can do better than that you know, I just, I didn't like it. It wasn't my thing. And so I used that hurt to go on. They don't need me here in this church. They don't need me. So that that offense caused me to think that I can handle this life. I'll find another church. How many times do we all say that? I'll find it, but we never do. Sometimes we're lucky, but, you know. After a few months, wasn't even thinking about going to church anymore. It's having a lot of fun camping, getting into family, doing family things, you know. Church never even called. How many times do we do that? People are missing and we don't even call. We're just as guilty. We're still doing it today. So it happens. I had unfulfilled expectations in my life. And Satan was jumping up and down. He was saying, this one I can use. This one I can put a wedge between him and that God of his, and I can take him out. This is where we all fall. He wasn't going to deal with the fact that this man disrespected him. Could you see that? This mighty man of God. He's a mighty man. He's a mighty man of God, and he's disrespected Elisha didn't even come out to greet him. He sent his servant. Go tell him. Go tell him. But the story's not over. Naaman says, Are not the Abanath and the Farfar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them? So he turned and he went away in rage. I could just hear him. See, this Jordan River was always important to the Israelites. It was only important to them. To everybody else, it was just a muddy river. He says, I got rivers over here in Damascus that are clear and pure. I can go washing them, right? Right? And he gets mad and he takes off. He's walking away from his miracle. He's saying at this point, man, I don't care if my arms fall off. This guy is not going to disrespect me like that. This guy is not going to treat me that way. My expectations were not fulfilled. And we do it every day. Every day. We get upset and we go off. He's reasoning with himself. How often do we do that i don't have to go to church to worship god i just invited a guy that's been to this church before and i've seen him and i say hey man hey man hey man hey man, hey man why don't you come to church he goes oh pastor yeah I'll, I'll come over sometime but i worship just fine i worship on my own out in the woods how many times do we hear that you know, out in the woods, yeah, I worship God. Oh, yeah, man, me and God, we're, we're just in like flint, man. Yeah, don't worry about it. We hear that all the time. I don't have to tithe to the church to be blessed. Hmm. When your heart is full of pride, you want to write your own prescription. You want to tell God how it's gonna happen. That's pride. That's pride in our lives. But listen to this. Let's go to 5.13. He says, Now his servants came near and spoke to him. And they said, Father, they were talking to Naaman, their master. If the prophet told you to do something great, wouldn't you have done it? Can't you just hear Naaman? He'd say, of course I would. I'm a great man. If he'd asked me to build a new tabernacle, I'd have built it for him. I'm a great man. I do what I say. I say what I do. I would have done anything he asked to do because I'm a great man. Hmm. How much more then, Naaman, if he says to you wash and be clean. This guy deserves a raise. This guy had the answer. He says, Naaman, Naaman, you know, we'll go down to Jordan. We'll make a circle. We'll put the chariots around so nobody can see. We'll hold blankets up, whatever, man. Go enjoy it. Take a bath. We'll bring you the towel. I got some soap in a bag over there. If you want you know, to, you know, you know, whatever, Naaman, it. it's not that big a deal. Since it's so easy, you are willing to do something great and something mighty for God. Why wouldn't you just go dip yourself seven times, man? So here, Naaman is taking advice again from someone that is very below him, but he's listening. We need to pay attention to who's talking to us. And when God's trying to get through to us, to, to talk to us. Second Kings 5.14 So he went down to the Jordan and he dipped seven times according to the saying of the man of God. I, I'm... Visualizing this, I guarantee you when he dipped the first time, his skin didn't come clean. You know, and I I seriously don't think that each time he dipped that it got a little better. Like, you know, I dipped down, ooh, hey, I dipped down again, oh, hey, I dipped down again, hey. No. I don't think anything was happening. He dipped the first, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth the sixth time. And he's thinking, I know it's not wrote in the Bible. I'm, I'm putting my own imagination into it, but he's thinking this guy's nuts. And I'm going to go cut his head off when this is over. I'm going to go, he has the ability to do that. This is exactly what the king said would happen. He's going to go ahead and raid Elijah. And then they're going to be in this killing frenzy. And they're going to start killing everybody and take captive take our cattle, take our chickens. They're going to take everything. And I'm sure Naaman was thinking it until he dipped that seventh time. Then he dipped again that seventh time. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a child. He was clean. Can you even get a grip on that miracle? I mean, it moves me to think after the seventh time, man, he was clean. His skin was clean. I'm sure that he was dancing a jig. I mean, he was... Everything changed. His heart has changed. It had to have changed. Look at verse 15. And he returned to the man of God and all of his aides. And he came, and they stood before him and said, Indeed, indeed, now I know. Now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now therefore, please take my gift from your servant. Please take this gold and silver and his clothes. What do you think about that? It's a righteous thing for him to do. He wants to bless the man of God. Go to the next scripture. But he said, as the Lord lives, he said, as the Lord lives, before I stand, before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him, to take it but Elijah refused he refused to take it because Elijah was a true man of God it wasn't about the money it was about this man seeing that there was a God in heaven that could heal him it was about building the faith in his heart that changed this man's life his destiny to change everything verse 16 says But he said, as the Lord lives, before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged it, and he took it, and he he refused it, refused to take it. I didn't realize I'd already read it up there. It's what I get for looking up there instead of looking at my notes. Do you see what's happening? Can you see the relationship to our lives? that God wants to do something mighty through us. And we need to humble ourselves and say, God, I'll just do what you ask me to do. I will just simply do what you asked me to do. All right, Holy Spirit, I'll do it. I wasn't, I wasn't sure about sharing this with you, relating this to my own life, but I got 20 minutes. I think God's telling me to do it. Let me put a disclaimer. This story that I have about me living in my past was not with this beautiful woman that I'm married to here. We're not talking about Joe. We're talking about my wife that passed away in 2012. So when God put this on my heart, the first thing I did is I went to Joe and I said, Joe, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can tell this story of how God had a mighty hand. in turning me back towards him. Without it potentially hurting her. Because I'm talking about a wife that has been passed. She said, have I ever stopped you from honoring your dead wife? And I said, no. You've always given me place of honor. You've always given her a place of honor in our house. So she said, I told her the whole story. And she said, I believe it's a story you need to tell. Because there's probably some of you who have children who are not living for God. Like I was. I was a good man. Yeah, I lied once in a while, but I never considered myself a liar. You know, I'd cheat on taxes or whatever. That's not lying, right? I was honest. I did the best I could as a father and a husband. But with this particular wife, it just didn't work out. And we decided, through a lot of battles, to get a divorce. And we had a little baby, pretty new, less than a year old, maybe close to a year old at this point. We separated. She hired a really good attorney. (laughs) And. Things just weren't going well with the divorce. And so I ran. This is what brought me to Tuolumne County. I ran. I walked away from my business. I gave it to my business partner and I said, if I stay in this thing, she's going to try to take it down. I'm going to give it all to you. I signed everything over to him and I left. The company was called Can-Am Builders and Real Estate. We had a lot going on. I just walked away see that's what I was good at as a sinner is always good at walking away this is what God has told me in my return to him that I don't walk away anymore if things get rough here I tell you what I'm not gonna walk away we'll weather it through we'll we'll go through it together but I walked away Ben, at that time was just a little bitty baby And she said she was going to move into her sister's. No, her aunt's house, her aunt, Aunt Linda in Modesto. And that's fine. Whatever you want to do, do. And I moved to Groveland. Nobody lives in Groveland, right? I mean, who lives in Groveland? You know, the people hiding out live in Groveland. You know, it's a beautiful place until you have to come off the hill to work. And I found a contractor up there and I started building houses for him up in Groveland. And I, you know, it's like living my little life in Groveland. Just me. I have older kids. Ben was living with a family named the Rich Waynes, not Ben. I'm sorry, George Jr., my oldest son. And my daughter decided to go back and live with her mother. Big mistake, but that's okay. So I was on my own going through this divorce i figured when the paperwork come i would just sign it and send it back whatever didn't even want her to know where i was at we were both hurt we were both angry and if you have children that are living this kind of lifestyle understand that you keep praying and you keep believing god because i had a mother which tammy you remember my mom she she was my prayer warrior she would not give up if I would go to see her, she'd say, you know, you and Sonia are going to get back together. You know that this, this marriage is never, you're never going to go through divorce. It's never going to happen. I'm telling you. I've claimed it. And I'd say, Mom, I even took a girlfriend over there just to get her to stop. Didn't work. She looked at the girl and said, you know, he's married. You know that he's, you know, he's, he's not going to get a divorce from her. It's not final. I'm claiming it for God. And this person was going, whoa, you know. So after these months of living in Groveland, I was framing some houses for a con- contractor up there. As the Lord would have it, He put in the spirit of loneliness in my heart. Has anybody ever been there, or is it just me? So brutally awful, lonely—it's like in the darkness of hell. But yet I'm sitting in a bar room of people, and I'm lost in anxiety. So i decide you know what i can't take it i got to go to lodi i got to go see my kids i got to go see somebody i drive down to lodi and the first thing i do is i go to my brother's house my brother never goes anywhere he's not home he doesn't ever go anywhere he still doesn't go anywhere but he's not home i asked him one day where he was that day he said i don't know i wasn't home and then i went to see my daughter and and she wasn't home and i went to see my oldest son at the rishwain's house and and knocked on the door and nobody's there everybody's gone the only other thing left was to go see my mother and i knew she was going to bring to me jesus and on the cross and my salvation and my marriage and i didn't want to hear it i said nope god i'm not going there i'm not going there it had been probably three to four months since i had any contact with my Wife and this baby oh believe me they were on my mind every day don't don't look at me like that they were on my mind every day I was just I was running I'm driving in my old truck with my old dog and God begins to speak to me and I recognize his voice remember I told you I was saved I said God what are you doing here he says I feel your pain, son. I know what you're going through. All right. He says I want to make a bet with you. You realize that God's a betting God because he knows he's going to win. He knows how it's going to turn out. He says I want to make a bet with you. I said, "All right." He said, "I want you to go to the curve. If you know anything about the Lowdie area, the bar's not there anymore. But there was a curve on Lower Sacramento Road, a steep curve, and there was a bar right there called the Curve. He said, "I want you to go to the Curve, place I used to hang out." And I said, "All right." (laughs) I'm giggling. God just isn't so smart, is he? I want you to go to the Curve, and when you get there, I want you to walk over to that payphone. No, no cell phones. I want you to walk over that payphone. I want you to drop a quarter in, and I want you to dial the number that's in your back pocket to Aunt Linda's house. I want you to call Sonia. I said, God, you know as well as I do, it's summertime. There, she's with Jimmy, and she's out on the boat. Every weekend I check in, I may not be seeing them, but I'm paying attention to what's going on in the world. And I found out she's got a boyfriend. They're out on the boat every weekend with my son having a good time. Why would she are you crazy, God? Are you crazy? Why would I want to call her? She got a boyfriend. He said, I'll make a bet with you. You got dial the number. She will answer the phone. And you'll get to see your son today otherwise you can go into the curve and get drunk I said that's a bet I'll take because I thought there would be people there that I knew I used to hang out there what better place than to go to where everybody knows your name you know they'd walk in it all say norm I mean George you guys don't remember happy days obviously and it's so I walked up to the phone. I think I feel like I'm t- completely wasting, wasting my time. Pick up the phone. Got my quarter. Oh, number come my wallet out. Doo 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 Before it rang. She said, "Hello?" I never heard it ring on my end. "Hello?" I I couldn't talk. I couldn't speak. It was gone. It was gone. I couldn't speak. The next word she said is, George, is that you? Here, let me give you a disclaimer so you understand this story. She was not a Christian. I had never took her to church. She hadn't been in church in a, a Protestant-type church not a day of her life. She'd been to a Catholic funeral, I think, once. Didn't know anything about God anything she says george is that you i said "Uh uh-huh